Happy Halloween week, everybody. My name's Larry Jacobs. This is 3K12 Education Talk Radio. And tomorrow it's Halloween, which means that today is October 30th. If case you can shut the music off a little too abruptly there. Okay, sorry about that. Anyway, I'm Larry Jacobs. It's Halloween week at Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. I've got the re- great returning guest, okay, Dr. Joe Feldman from uh, Crescendo Education Group. It, it, Joe is all about grading for equity, and you can learn more about everything they do over at Grading for equity.org, which is this organization that leads the equitable grading project. And uh, Joe is the founder and CEO, and he, which had, since I'll read this, since 2013 has supported K-12 schools, districts, and colleges and universities nationwide to improve grading and assessment practices. And uh, we had a fascinating first show a few weeks ago. I wanted Joe to come back. I hope we will continue with more. And he has brought with him another special guest, Shantha Smith, Dr. Smith. Okay, one, I love this, Virginia's Mary Peak Award for Excellence in Educational Equity. Thank you for everything you've done in that regard. We are the Consortium for Equity in Education, Shanta, and I just think you're going to be a great guest today. You were from Northern Virginia, Equity and Excellence Coordinator. She now works with Joe over at Crescendo Education Group, and it's going to be absolutely fascinating to uh, find out what's going on, because this is a topic that blew my socks off, something I really never considered very much before I talked to Joe a few weeks ago. So we're going to follow up on that. We're going to archive the show, as we always do, on ace-head.org. ACE-ED.org. That's the home website of our consortium for equity and education. And over there is our magazine called Equity and Access. Over there is our Excellence in Equity uh, Awards. We just opened the educator side. So please go over and uh, make sure, make Shauna a winner if you hear her today. Make Shauna a winner after um, you hear her today uh, in our Excellence in Equity Awards. Uh, you can nominate yourself, your school, your colleagues, et cetera, et cetera. It's really good stuff. We love doing it every year, and people have a lot of fun and enjoyment and honor and respect from being one of the great winners or nominees. It's really just that's what's so important about it all. Check that out. And also this podcast, like all our podcasts, are going to be archived over at our archived, excuse me, over at ace-ed.org. And without further ado, Dr. Feldman, are you there, Joe? I am. I'm not a doctor, though. But I just gave you one. It's from the University of Larry <laughs> Muzzletoff. Okay, congratulations. Shauna will be taking you out to dinner. Shauna, take him out to dinner tonight, the doctor. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. We will definitely do that. Absolutely. Shauna, how are you? I'm Larry. I'm I'm wonderful. How are you this morning? You sound pretty wonderful, i got to tell you, and I can't wait to hear all this wonderful stuff you've been doing. And how long have you been working with uh, Joe? It seems like forever, but I think it's only been three and a half, maybe four years. Is that a compliment? Is he sure that's a compliment? Absolutely. <laughs> seems just like kidding. we've known each other forever. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Obviously, you guys work well together, and I think it's just fantastic, to tell you the truth. When I had Joe on a, a few weeks ago, I don't know if you listened to the show, Charlotte, but uh, it just blew my socks off because I, I kept thinking ever since then that, you know, I just would tell this story just to get to set this all up. Okay. When I was a, a history teacher way, way back in, there was a, when there was a lot less history, okay, to, to teach. Uh, there was another teacher in the department, and we both kind of taught the same things all the time. And all the kids wanted me because I was funnier and an easier grader. We're both teaching the exact same thing, okay? 
but he was more the stern type of teacher and that sort of thing. And I was the uh, really kind of the fun, et cetera, et cetera. And I was a little easier on grading. And you know something? <laughs> that's not right. Okay. We got to be equitable <laughs> in all this. Okay. That's what I learned from Joe. Okay. So uh, we're going to talk about this. And with that in mind, well, do you want to, I'll throw it to Joe. You can throw it to Sean. Joe, well, just we're talking about equitable grading and I don't, think there's ever enough emphasis on this that's why i'm going to keep doing this stuff what is it okay in crescendo i want to say this crescendo education group joe's joe and shanta's company okay can help you as a school district understand with and this and make a change okay you're going to find out why you need it over the next half hour or so joe i'll throw it to you okay what is equitable grading there you go buddy you're on yes thanks hey, so, congratu- uh, by the no. way joe congratulations on the doctorate <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, University so, of Larry, we're still looking for accreditation, but just call yourself doctor. It's okay. <laughs> Great. Um, so, yeah, I'm a former teacher and administrator in a school. I was a principal and worked in a district. And and after doing all that work, one of the things that always nagged at me was grading. Um, it was something that I had never received any um, education about when I was in grad school getting my teacher certification. And Throughout my career, it had been something really difficult to figure out and talk about and seeing the kind of things that you just talked about, where teachers are teaching the same subject, but we're grading differently, and that didn't seem right. Mm-hmm. So I started researching and found that there's a lot more equitable ways to grade, meaning that we can actually be more accurate in the ways that we grade. We can be more um, bias-resistant, which means we can kind of prevent some of our own biases and, and from perpetuating some of the achievement disparities that have been going on for generations. And we can actually be more motivating for students in the ways that we grade. And so this work is about helping to fill in some of those gaps that a lot of teachers and and educators have had where they haven't really had any access to the research on ways to grade more effectively. And so that's what this work is about. And I got to say, and this has been going on, and I was a teacher a long time ago. Okay, I'm talking a long time ago, and this was going on way before I was a teacher. And what's taken everybody so long to figure it out? And by the way, we're going to talk about these trends these days to give everybody A's, which is another problem we've got, okay, which I'm sure you guys are well aware of, okay? Um, I'll, ask, I'll ask Dr. Smith, Shanta, what, why is there still a challenge with this? It's so obvious the minute Joe says it and you say it. It's so obvious every teacher would admit to it. I think one of the things that we must consider that everybody wants change, but change is very difficult, and it's what we know. And sometimes uh, we have to understand the teacher identity. This is the, as Joe puts in his book, the last autonomy. The this is the last place where we have the autonomy to make decisions in our in our classrooms, and so. People hold tight to their things, and I think that when you start looking at grading, um, one of the interesting aspects is it's not just about the grading because it's going to enter every facet of your classroom. It's going to look at your instruction. Now, you might have to change the way you have typically done things. You might have to change the way your classroom structures are. So it starts with grading, but it really impacts every aspect of your classroom, and that is a scary thing. It does. And, and as, I'm going to keep quoting Joe from our first show. You know, the grade is the culmination of the entire course. It is the actual measure of, of A, what, what a teacher has done, and B, if I may, if I can put them in that order, what, it's, what a student has done. This is not something to be taken lightly, okay? And yet, as you guys both said, 
nobody's nobody in higher ed is teaching people how to do this property. It takes a company like Crescendo to go into these school districts, okay, and say, wait a minute, there's, there's got to be a better way to do this. And I have to say something, Shanta, I know that you are very involved in Northern Virginia with with kids from uh, lower incomes, kids from various ethnic groups, trying to have an equi- create an equitable system, uh, not only for everything, but for grading as well. Okay, and I just did a show earlier this morning with a, a wonderful gentleman, the former president of McAllister College, uh, uh, who's in higher ed and is concerned about equity there, that what we, we expect kids who didn't have the same education, once they get into the same college as other kids who had a better one, Okay, suddenly they're up against a major challenge there. There's a lot of equity challenges, and I have to just say this, as I always do, in Detroit years ago, I, I, they were graduating kids with a, A's and B's, and they would go to college, okay, community college, and they would wind up reading at a fourth grade level. What's a professor to do? Okay, obviously the professor has to learn how to deal with these students, okay, but my point is it, it, the whole thing it's A and B, and you're reading in 12th grade or 4th grade level, and they let you graduate? Show it I'm, I'm, I'm on a rant here. Help me out. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I will say is that um, you mentioned what will, what makes makes it so challenging. I just want to just mention what makes it so sure. easy. And I think that one of the things that makes it easy, there are lots of teachers who are around this nation who understand that grading has been punitive up until this point. Grading right. has been an opportunity to – make sure that kids are doing to be done. So it's really an element of fear there, right? So what makes it it, uh, easy is when you start looking at grading as a way to bring humanity into the classroom. And when we think about equity, that's what it really is about, is to see the humanness in our students and in ourselves and to recognize that we have been doing things, we have been doing things wrong and we've been causing harm. And so it's easy when you realize the harm that you may have been causing. I know I did, and I was like, ah, it's kind of a little gut kick. But what makes it easy is I want to do right by children, and I know my colleagues around the nation want to do right by students, and it's okay to learn something new and do something different to bring that about. And I couldn't agree with you more, and I just have to say, knowing all that, and we've known that, I, I, I don't know exactly how long, Joe, and you know for years, we've known this. Okay. Yet, if, if and Joe, talk to me. Are you working with the schools of education so they teach people how to grade properly? Or, beyond the professional development, okay, that Crescendo does your group. Okay, are people grad, graduating college and then or, or with master's degrees and, and and understanding what this is all about? I mean, it's been a long time. You know, it's come. We, we haven't come a long way, baby. Talk to me, Joe. Yeah. What's taken so no. long? Yeah, I mean, well, since the uh, – well, I mean, so the, one of the reasons why it's taken so long is I think because people think of grading as just, you know, you're just adding points up, and it's just all grading, you know, your things in your grade book, and you get the percentage, and that's the grade. It seems very outside teaching and learning. And I think that, to their credit, a lot of um, schools of education have started to recognize that they've got to start, to start addressing this. So we know that, <laughs> for example – um, Stanford School of Graduate School of Education is now incorporating the book into its curriculum. Uh, University Great. of Albany. Congrats. So it's starting to percolate um, into teacher education programs, but very, very slowly. And I think I, I'll just add one thing to what Chris Smith said. One of the other things that makes it easy to do more equitable grading is that a lot of it is common sense. Like it, 
a lot of it is not so radical as it might seem to be, right? We want the grade to be accurate. The grade should be accurately describing where students are. So if a student is at the, you know, is below grade level, the grade would reflect that. That doesn't mean that we stop there. We want to support the student, but we want to make sure that we're not miscommunicating to the students, their family, other institutions, a false sense of where the student is, either below where they are or above where they are. I would agree with that, but and, and we all want to do the right thing, but there is also the other side of that, and that is pressure from the community. Okay, and you guys certainly know this as well as I do. You know, the minute you give a kid a C whose parents want him, to, want him or her to go to Harvard or Yale or, or University of Illinois, whatever the case may be, that C stands out like you can't believe. You know, we, we tend to forget, and I certainly did this, and I used to laugh about it. You know, C, whatever that is, is an average grade. If you're in an advanced placement class and you're doing okay, that's a C. Okay, you're average. That's good. You're advanced. Okay, you're average, et cetera. But everybody wants an A. So it reduces the A, okay, and again, because of a community pressure. So I have to ask you both, and I'll start with Joe, that has to come up when you do your professional development. Well, what's going on with that? How do, we, how do you overcome this type of thing, if I may, Joe? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, parent pressure is very complex because parents in the abstract will say that they don't, like, yeah. Yeah, they don't like grade inflation, right? But every parent will say, sure, like in general, we don't want grade inflation. But yeah, right. in the, on the narrow sense, like, well, for my student, I want to make sure they get an A no matter what. So for my yeah. student, it be okay. And that's not, you know, every parent is, you know, concerned about their student being successful and wants them to do the best they can and have the grade be A's. I think what we have found is that part of the reason why parent pressure um, is so um, complex and difficult is that the grade right now, um, the ways that teachers grade is very, very subjective, and they can include anything or whatever they want yeah. in the grades. Makes them more susceptible to the pressure of parents who just say, like, well, could you add this? Could you do this? Could you make this change? And what we found with our teachers is that when the grading is more equitable, when it's more explicit, um, and and less biased about what a grade represents, it makes it so there is less pressure felt. Because if I say, well, the grade is kind of whatever I want it to be, now you're going to put a lot of pressure on me to change it, and you can probably change it by putting pressure on me. If instead I say the grade represents only a student's level of understanding of the course content, now I can just show you their tests or show you some assessments or show you some of the work that they've done and say, look, this is where they are. So the only way to make the grade higher is for the student to learn more, and we'll help the student do that. But there's no pressure you can put on me as the teacher to change the grade because now there's an external target about what the grade is. And how does that work out? And I'm being uh, uh, serious about that because it's, it's wonderful, and I obviously you're right. I, I wouldn't deny that for a second. But then, then mom and dad go into the principal's office, and you, you have to have it across the board. Well, if you had Mr. Johnson, my other kid had Mr. Johnson, and Mr. Mr. Johnson gave him an A for the same darn thing. In fact, I probably turned in the same parent paper, you know? And so, you know, how do you handle that? And this is, I know, what Crescendo does. And, Sean, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Across the board, you have to get into a school, okay, or a not even just a school, a district, and say this is the way we have to do it across the board. And how hard is that to do? Take 500 teachers and make them all think this way differently. Shortha or Joe? Who wants that one? Yes. 
Well, wait, remember, never um, volunteer for anything, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say that um, one of the things, one of the ways that we approach it is um, we first acknowledge that people are doing different things differently now. People's grades are different now. So right now, today, in any school or any district, no grades represent all the same things when you put all 500 of those teachers together. So That's right. through our work and through our system, what we are doing is helping to support the movement towards causing less harm and making grades that are more accurate that teachers can actually stand behind because they can speak to what the grade represents. And I think for parents, like you mentioned earlier, Parents want to know what the grade actually means, and because it can mean something so differently, it's very helpful when we have a way to clearly yeah. articulate what it represents. And I, we do that through education, through education to parents. It, it's not done in isolation. Ooh. We operate is in a community. We come together. We educate teachers. We educate leaders. We're educating our parents because many of them have gone through the same system, and so when we talk to parents and educators and we talk to them about the things that matter to them, kids, parents have seen their kids come home stressed. There's been so much pressure on kids to perform and perform so many different ways for so many different people. Their kids are coming home stressed. There's a big movement in the mental health um, with mental health in our schools. And so when parents hear this creates less stress for students. Their ears are open. They want to know how, how can how is that possible? Because now kids are not into the uh, trying to figure out how to perform for each teacher, and teachers are not like, oh, this grade is uh, so low. Let me just boost it up with some participation points so I don't get yelled at. Everyone's working together to make a grade more accurate. Uh, and through that, what's most important that I'm, I want to make sure we highlight is that the grade now becomes about the learning. We can actually make Thank learning the, the priority. So parents won't argue with this is what your child knows and can do, and this is how we're going to support your child to get the necessary learning so that they can master what it is they need to master to be successful so they don't go to college and feel disillusioned and feel like, well, wait a minute. I was doing so great. I've been a, I've been exactly. doing great. <laughs> yeah. I've been getting all A's and B's, and all of a sudden I'm not. And, it's, it, it, by the way, there's a challenge across the board because of grade inflation. The, the, the professor at college who's teaching physics is going to be a lot, may I say this, a lot more difficult than the uh, high school teacher who loved you. Okay, it's and all of a sudden you're hit with reality in the face. Okay, it's a student, of course, I'm talking about. And it, it, this is a ongoing situation. It's a problem. So let me ask you this. I'll swing back to Joe. Joe, okay, the newly named Dr. Feldman. Okay, Joe, congratulations <laughs> on that, by the way. Okay, um, Joe, what's an equitable grading practice? That's the University of Larry who gave him that degree. Congratulations. Um, the first one we've ever given out. <laughs> Okay, Joe, uh, an equitable, let's boil it down, okay? What's the the first step to this? How can people make this happen so that everybody gets it? By the way, I love it. I love what you guys do. So go ahead. Yeah, so there's about a dozen dozen practices. So I'll give you one example. So um, traditionally, um, teachers will average performance over time, right? They'll say, okay, a student has done some homework assignments, and then they did a quiz, and then they did some other homework assignments, and they did another quiz, and then they did a test. And what teachers will do is they will include all of those performances in the grade and average them all together. And here's the problem with that. 
if I have a student and they didn't do very well in the first homeworks and then they did a little bit better in the quiz and then they did a little bit better and then they did a little bit better in the quiz and by the time they finish the unit, they've learned it really well, right? They have an A-level understanding by the end. They didn't start that way, but they did at the end. When you average all that performance mm. together, it yep. really shows that the student is much lower than an A, even though they've learned it all by the end, right? So right, that, right there, that's inaccurate. Right? The student has learned how to do the skill, but because it took them a little while and they learned over time, you've mm -hmm. depressed the grade, you've lowered it. So the second problem is that, you know, for a student mm. who may have had a summer program that they took the summer before in that subject, like let's say it's in a math class, right, and they learn the Pythagorean theorem during the summer, and then they go in and start the unit, and they know it from the beginning because they've learned it over the summer. So they're getting A's on every first quiz and first, and, you know, second quiz and then the test. Their average is fine because they've been getting A's the whole time. For the student who didn't go to that summer program, yeah. who didn't know anything about the Pythagorean theorem before the unit, they, of course, don't know it. So they get B's and then C's, B's, and then they've learned it by the end of A, but their grade for that unit is much lower than an A. Because it reflects the D's and the C's. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So more equitable grading is to look at and have the grade reflect where students are at the end of that unit, only at the end. So now what we're saying is, hey, student, if you struggle at the beginning and you learn from your mistakes, which is what learning requires, right? We That's right. Learn, then we're not going to penalize you for not having a summer program where you learned it or not knowing it at the beginning or for making mistakes because all those things are okay in this class and we actually want you to make mistakes and the grade will reflect where you are at the end of your learning. So that's one example of equitable grading, um, which is so contrary to what our traditional grading does. Exactly. Which takes performance and averages over time so if you when you say that to a group of educators at a given school or district what is their reaction and i think it's probably like mm, yeah. oh yeah oh yeah why didn't i think of that but what is what yeah yeah it's usually it's, it's usually a, a whole combination of things so there are teachers who say oh my gosh i never even thought about it that yeah. way this never even occurred to me that makes so much sense and they start then getting frustrated like well why didn't I know that already? Like, yeah. why have I been grading in ways that actually have been making it harder for students who have had more barriers to their success, who weren't able to do the summer programs? I've actually made the grading harder for the very students who I am most committed to supporting. Um, so hmm. they feel that. They start getting overwhelmed. Like, wow, if I start doing that, that would really, as Dr. Smith said, that would affect a lot of things that I do in the classroom. I'd really have to rethink like how I organize my grade book and how I would do reviews and how I would communicate it to students. And they start worrying like, well, this is very different for me. I don't know if I feel comfortable with this. I don't know if the students would feel comfortable with this, right? Just all these emotions. And what finally comes out at the end of the day, as we've seen, is hope for teachers because, and confidence because they start trying the practice and they find that students have very positive reactions to it and students, you know, rise to the occasion. They start being more motivated, right? If a student gets low grades on their first quiz or second quiz, traditionally they know that they can't dig themselves out of that hole because it's averaged over time, right? Even if I do right. real well today, because I got these Fs at the beginning or these Ds at the beginning, I'll never have higher than a C or a B. But now they're much more motivated to keep working and striving and, and go through that productive struggle because they know that they're going to have their grade reflect where they are at the end of their learning. So over time, with our support, 
we find that teachers find this is a wonderful way to grade and actually makes their classrooms so much better, um, in part because they're grading more um, equitably. And, and where, where and by the way, before I ask that question, I want to ask, if I may, Shanta, you were a equity and excellence coordinator in Northern Virginia. Okay, that's, I, I would bet you that's where you started to think about all this. Okay, and I'm curious, I just want to ask this question, because we are so involved in education equity here, all right? Um, as you talk to kids from various economic backgrounds, various racial backgrounds, various ethnic backgrounds, were you able to create a system, okay, that, that got the teachers thinking about this and make it, made, it, it made it more fair to these kids and made, made sure that they were learning? Okay, I'm curious what you did and all that sort of stuff, just from your experience. And I know you worked closely with Joe for a long time, so go ahead. Shonda. So I started in uh, Arlington Public Schools um, oh. under the, uh, the leadership of Dr. Lori Wiggins. She gave me the book, and, read it, and you would have thought that this was like a, sex, a second holy text for me. I mean, I highlighted <laughs> it, turned it back, the pages were dogged. And she asked me to lead this work with my colleagues. And so I started wow. with our leadership team um, and helped them to uh, expand their mind and consciousness about what it means to um, grade more equitably and empowered them to go back and talk to their department. Wow. And we began this work and started actually exposing all of the things that we had no idea. And we didn't know, but in some cases, we had an inkling. We had that teacher gut. We knew something sure wasn't right, especially when you sure sit you down to the end of the marking period and you're doing what we like to call as the end of a quarter fudge. We're like, ah, oh, that doesn't sit right. We're adding points here and we're taking points there, right, because there is no system. And so believe it or not, through the work and education of our teachers, we were going to start an equitable grading pilot. And would you believe Everyone except one department actually signed up to join the pilot. So the pilot wow. was expansive. The pilot, because it spoke to the heart of teachers who want to do right by children. It spoke yeah, to that, wow, there's something different. We've been doing the same old thing, and we've never taken the time to question why we do what we do. So when given a space and opportunity to think critically about our own practices and reflect on that through our, uh, the time that we were given in our department, and through our staff meetings um, monthly, after thinking about it, it was like it was a no-brainer for them to begin to try these practices out. And one of the things that I think uh, helped us at our school is we made it a safe environment. We, you, it was a, just like we want to do for students, right? It's an opportunity, as we do across the nation, for teachers to take a risk. And whenever you're taking a risk, you have to feel like you're in a safe place to do that, to try out these new practices well and, and, and do things that may feel a little uncomfortable. It's different from anything that you've ever yeah. tried before, but giving them the space and opportunity to try something new that and, and, and create a movement and a mission around that, I mean, all hands were on deck and began to try these practices out. The first place that we got some traction was eliminating uh, no extra credit in the grades, and we talked about how <laughs> that was inflating grades. I mean, of course, we wanted to shoot for the stars. We got extra credit, and it was great because it was opportunity to say, hey, we're not going to fluff your grade with extra credit because if this environment is important, we want everybody to do it, not only if yeah. select people. Well said. And we, and we don't want well to said. make you spend pants, spend resources, taking you to a movie to see the movies, to go with the book, and you couldn't go because you had to watch your siblings or come out to an extra credit event because we want to boost our attendance and give you some extra points. We're going to talk about making a grade more reflective of what students know and not 
penalizing students who don't have the time or the resources, and time is a resource. So if you don't have the time or the financial resource, that won't impact your grade. And so through that work at my school, the teachers really latched on right away because I think it was the education and it was something that although we hadn't, Joe gave us the language to the book Grading for Equity that really spoke to our core that we knew something that we were doing needed to shift. It, it, it's so done a point. I have to ask this. How did the, that's how the teachers reacted. They loved it. How did the kids react to this? And I always say that no matter what kid you're teaching, the more rigorous you are with them, okay, they will rise to the occasion. Okay, and it's a difference for kids. You know, it's a difference for teachers, but it's a difference for kids. Okay, how did they react? Well, I will say, and not just in, the, in my own work at my school, but as we go around the nation through this work, we do student interviews. Kids love yeah. it. And you know why? Because kids will tell you yeah. they might not always have the language to articulate the things that we know, just like we didn't at first before we read the book. But kids will say their grade isn't fair. They'll say the teacher doesn't like me. And what they're actually trying to say is this grade is not reflective of what I know. I've been performing. Wow. To get, I have to perform wow. to get this grade, right? And I have to perform in so many different ways because every teacher is requiring me to perform a different way, right? So they are now uh, accustomed to I'm not thinking about learning. I'm thinking about how do I juggle this sister, this teacher's system to get these points. And I don't feel like performing. Right. Some kids are these days, the kids these days don't like to perform. They don't want to jump through your hoops, especially when they know <laughs> maybe jumping through their, your hoops has not yielded them the results that they, desire, that they know that they earn. And so I think that kids have found that this grading system is more fair. It has found sure. them to be actually more engaged in class and in learning. And they know that the teachers are now being truth tellers and hope dealers, giving them hope that they can That's still good. continue their learning and be successful in the class. Whether they raised their hand the day and gave points or whether they didn't raise their hand, if they know the information and they work to learn the information, that's what counts at the end of the day. And I'll ask Joe. Joe, again, when Sean a minute ago, I, I, she said a whole department came on. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that must be secondary school. I'm not sure it was, Sean. Am I right? Was it a secondary school? <laughs> yes, it was a middle school. Yeah, okay. So, so my question is, Joe, when you, when you write a book called Grading for Equity, where do you want it to start? How do you, does it start in elementary school? Or, or is, is there a I, – I don't know how to ask the question. You do it, Joe. Where do you want it to start? Yeah, well, yeah, I think um, what we find is that it starts in all kinds of different places. I mean, so in some cases, it's how Dr. Smith described. Uh, a site administrator, a principal, finds out about the book and, and then right. says to leadership, uh, department chairs or other supports, I think this is really worth us doing. Can you read this and help start gathering some teachers together to start doing this? It can also start where – a district will say, you know what, we're going to start this at the elementary school and we're going to roll this up over the next five, six years. I love that. All the way I love that. Others will start with individual teachers who will get together in a high school. They'll be friends or colleagues or, or in the same department, and they'll all, like, build a little professional learning community among themselves and start, and then they'll share it with their principal and say, look at what happened when we tried these practices. We think others should do it. Um, so it really can start in all kinds of places. What is so, I, what we found is the most important part is where teachers who are doing it show the evidence and experiences of what they've found. 
So when we work with our schools and districts, one of the things we really help them with is how do you collect evidence to know that this is mm. working? It's that evidence, student voices, as well as test scores, as well as report cards, as well as parent testimonials, like what that does is it helps convince those who might doubt or who have never had exposure to it. It convinces them that this is what they need to start doing in their classrooms and in their grade levels and in their schools. And that's how you build more district-wide or system-wide um, consistency and coherence across classrooms. And you have to do it. And what's, what's the most, and I think we already covered this, but I'm just curious. I, I think it, the, the, I, I would say that the most common pushback that you guys get is that, well, you're invading my autonomy. In my classroom, I grade this way, and that's all there is to it. Okay? Yeah. And, but I'm curious if I'm right on that. <laughs> I, I think there's two sources. One is from the teacher who's just like they're, they're, it is because, as Dr. Smith said, you know, it is one of the last places of autonomy for teachers. Yeah. They protect it yeah. mostly. And so we really normalize that. And we say, look, we don't think a district should just make a policy. We think this has got to start and, and happen at the classroom level. So it's where we invest in teacher education and professional development so they can understand and start applying these practices in their class, and then they see the benefits. It's not a top-down process for us. The second thing that we found is that the pushback is worrying about something called grading for equity, that it lowers standards because we are, we are talking about equity. And what we have um, oh, helped geez. people is that it actually raises standards by using these practices. Um, teachers have said, you know, they were skeptical. They thought maybe it would make things too easy for their students. It would inflate grades. And what they find is that it actually makes classrooms more rigorous. Now we are focused entirely exactly. on Exactly. That's what I'm things. thinking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Students can't say, well, you know, I don't know this really, but I'm going to make sure that I, um, you know, bring in cupcakes for the potluck. Or, uh, you know, I'm going to do this other thing later because I don't know this very well. No, there's no excuse for learning. It's like if my kid doesn't take out the garbage, the consequence is they take out the garbage. So in, in classrooms, if we're learning something, the only way to um, succeed in the class is to learn, which seems a very obvious thing. But, it, but because traditional grading includes all these non-academic things, like did you raise your hand? Did you, yeah. you know, the syllabus sign? Did your parent come to open house? Um, you know, all of that non-academic stuff, when it's focused entirely on the learning, it makes classrooms more rigorous um, and lifts students to higher expectations. Isn't that amazing? And I, I'll say what, yeah, go ahead, Shanta, please, go ahead. I, I just want to jump in because no, one of the important things that I, 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 if there is one thing that is said in every presentation, every room that I enter, is also they are worried about the real world. There's some this idea that by grading more equitably, making our grades more accurate, somehow kids will falter in the quote unquote real world. And um, and I think that comes from the system that we have created where I talked about it being a punitive nature. So we feel like mm -hmm. in order to keep mm -hmm. kids safe, we have to punish them so that they can learn yeah. the lesson. And I, and I know for, as a teacher, I've said it before. So like, if you don't do this, you're going to get a zero as if that was the thing, that zero. <laughs> would motivate them. But the more I work with students, and especially students who, who struggle, they're like, just add it to the collection of zeros I've already gotten in your class and her class. I mean, what is it? It's, no, it's lost its power. But I yeah. think that one of the, the things that we have to understand 
is there are opportunities to redeem yourself in the real world. There are many opportunities, many tasks. I'm so glad that they offered me another opportunity, a chance to take that math practice because I wouldn't be where I am today because there are opportunities in the real world where you get to actually go back, relearn, and take the thing again from doctors right. to lawyers to driving tests. So the idea that somehow by making sure that our grades are more accurate, I mean, I think that is also maybe to Joe's point about lowering standards that we're going to mess kids up for the real world. But the real world has a variety of ways. There are a variety of ways of being in the real world and giving kids an op- another opportunity to continue their learning is, is one of those ways. I just think what you guys are doing is so darn important. And I think in, in I, I think every, every college of education needs to, needs to really get down to the nitty gritty here. Cause, and Joe, you explained this to me last time, you know, you know, the grade is the culmination, so to speak, the visual culmination of all the learning. And if we get that wrong, we are really screwed up. Okay. And, We've been doing a lot of a lot of hard. Not, it's not all bad, but a lot of it is bad. Okay, and we got to make it better. We got to make it more equitable. There's different kids out there, different society, different like. I mean, everything's changed. Okay, the kid who stinks in history might be the greatest computer coder in this of all time. Okay, and and it's just it's we really have to rethink all this sort of stuff. Uh, we're gonna have you back again because I love talking to you both, uh, Doctor Smith. Thank you for being here, Shanta. I'd love to have you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure as well. Yeah, well, you're welcome here anytime, as is the former Dr. Feldman. Sorry about that. (laughs) Yeah, that means you go. Yeah, they come and they go. (laughs) Exactly right. It was, you got the doctorate, but it really was poor grading. Okay, so we're going to change that (laughs) and and make make it better. Okay, so uh, the, the author of Grading for Equity, and by the way, the president of the Crescendo Group, Crescendo Group, excuse me, Education Group, and Joe Feldman, and we're going to do more together because I really love this topic. Okay, so thank you Thanks both. A lot. Have a great day. Thank you so okay? much, Larry. Appreciate it. And happy Halloween. Day. Enjoy Halloween. Okay. Thank, thank you. you both. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, everybody. Well, I just think it's a great topic. Okay. Consider what they said. I got Joe's book listed here, and you really ought to read it because it is. Something, something we should have changed a long time ago. It's so obvious. All right. We're going to archive the show at ace-ed.org. My name's Larry Jacobs. Thanks, everybody, for being here.